Good morning. I am not Pastor Craig. Just in case you did not know. My name is Tujer, and for those of you who've been around, I had the privilege and opportunity to uh, be a church planting resident here at Maple Grove Covenant Church some like four years ago. So it was a long time ago. For those of you who are new, hello. Um, I'm thankful for this opportunity to preach. I'm thankful that Pastor Craig invited me. Um, And I know that we're in a sermon series, so I'm going to try my best to stay with the theme. And I want to start off by telling you a story. So when I was young, the first bike that I ever got was about yay yay big. It was black, and the handles were bright orange. And the seat was bright orange. And I had training wheels on this bike, and it was the bestest, best bike in the world. And I learned how to ride a bike with this thing, and and with those training wheels, again, I was maybe five, six, I know some of you guys are, I learned how to ride a bike when I was three. I wasn't there, I'm sorry. But um, I I was riding my bike, and one day, my oldest brother came outside while I was riding my little bike with the training wheels, and he said, Tujer, today is the day that you are going to learn how to ride a bike. And I'm like, yo, I already know how. And he said, no, without the training wheels. And I said, great. I've been wanting to. I see you guys ride your bike, and I can't wait to be able to do that. So he takes out the tools. He takes off the training wheels, and he says, okay, Tujer, this is how you ride a bike. There's three rules. No, he said, there's, these are the rules, okay? He said, rule number one, pedal, okay? Rule number two, when you feel like you're turning right, when you feel like you're leaning right, turn left, and when you feel like you're leaning left, turn right, right? So he goes, that's how you ride a bike. So I'm like, that sounds pretty easy. So I got on that bike. He held it for me. I got on, and he kind of pushed it a little bit, right? So I'm going. I'm pedaling. Okay, rule number one, pedal. So I'm pedaling, pedaling. And then he's like, oh, shoot, I'm turning left. And then I turn to the right, and then I feel like I'm turning right, and then I turn to the left, and then I'm going. I go all the way down the block, and I stop, and I go, I did it. And he's like clapping for me. And I was very, very proud. And then I, I, I came all the way back to our house. We lived in the middle of the block. And so we got, I got all the way back. And he was like, good job. And I was like, let me do it again. So I went all the way down the block. And instead of turning around, I'm like, I think I got this already. So then I turned a corner around the block where he's not looking. And right at the corner of my block, there is a building with a cement wall. And I'm going. And I'm like, I know how to ride a bike. And all of a sudden, I'm like, that wall looks like it's getting closer and closer to me. So I'm going and going, and I feel like I'm leaning toward that wall, and that's all I see. All I see is the wall, and I'm thinking, okay, what are the rules for biking? Okay, pedal! Boom! I hit the wall and shed a few tears, and I walk back, defeated, back to my brother. And he goes, what happened? I said, I hit a wall. And he said, oh, I forgot to tell you the third rule. Avoid walls. (laughs) That's a great rule for biking, but also a great rule for life, right? That's what we try to do. We try to avoid hitting walls in our life. But the thing is this, even if we try to avoid to hit walls, it will inevitably happen. Sometimes we just do not have control. And so I have a question for you, right? Life is a journey. 
And my question for you is this, have you ever hit a wall in the journey called life? You know, maybe you're at a job, pays the bills, but it just, it's not what you want to do with your life. Or maybe you're unemployed and struggling to pay the bills, right? You feel like you don't know what to do with your life. You feel stuck. It feels like you've hit a wall. It feels like you've encountered a wall. Or maybe you have sickness. Maybe your spouse or your loved one is battling cancer. And you've come to realize for the first time in a long time or maybe ever that we are human and that the body is fragile and weak. You feel stuck. You feel like you've encountered a wall. Or maybe, you know, you have a conflict with a friend or a spouse or a loved one or a coworker or a boss. And you feel like you just don't know what to do to go forward anymore. Like every time you see them, every time you think of them, it just causes pain and hurt inside. And you feel stuck. You feel like you've hit a wall. You don't know what to do. Life is a journey, and in certain seasons, it is inevitable that we hit walls. You know, and, and the sermon series is called Stuff Really Happens. I, I wasn't exactly sure what it was. So stuff really happens. Right? And, 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 and hope happens, and grace happens, and good stuff happens. But so does the hard stuff. Challenges happen. Disappointment happens. Depression happens. And walls happen. Life is a journey, and so is following Jesus. Following Jesus is a spiritual journey. And in this spiritual journey, it is also inevitable that we will hit walls. But you see, when I'm talking about spiritual walls, I'm not just talking about challenging times. I'm not just talking about obstacles. When we hit spiritual walls, what I'm referring to are those moments and those times when we begin to question, is God even real? Does God even exist? Does God even care? Does God really see me? Is this even worth it? I'm talking about what some ancient Christian writers called the dark night of the soul. What is the dark night of the soul? And how do you know if you're experiencing the dark night of the soul? I'll give you some, um, some ways that this can manifest, right? If your spirit has been dry, or you feel like you've been, a spiritual, you've been in a spiritual desert for months or maybe years, you might be experiencing the dark night of the soul. If your good feelings of God's presence has evaporated and you feel like the door of heaven is shut, even when you're praying your heart out, you may be experiencing the dark night of the soul. If you feel a sense of darkness, of helplessness, of weariness, a sense of failure or defeat, or an emptiness, for a prolonged period of time. And you know, you're continuing to be a part of the church. You're continuing to pray. You're continuing to give. You're continuing to do the spiritual disciplines that have helped in the past. 
but yet it just feels like they're no longer working. You might be experiencing the dark night of the soul. How does this happen? How is it that the dark night of the soul can happen to us even when we're seeking God's face? This is what Pete Scazzaro writes. He says this, For most of us, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down. It comes perhaps through a divorce, a job loss, the death of a close friend or family member, a cancer diagnosis, a disillusioning church experience, a betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled, a dryness or loss of joy in our relationship with God. He continues, We question ourselves, we question God, and we question the church. We discover for the first time that our faith does not appear to work. We have more questions than answers as the very foundation of our faith feels like it is on the line. We don't know where God is, what He is doing, where He is going, what He is getting us, how He is getting us there, or when this will be over. The dark night of the soul happens. And I know that in a room this big, some of you are right there. Some of you are at the spiritual wall. And if you're not right now, just continue following Jesus and you will be. So if that is the case, then the question that we must answer, the question we have to engage with is this. How do we journey through the wall? How do we press forward when the dark night of the soul happens to us? To answer that question, we turn to Genesis chapter 22. And in in today's scripture, we read a challenging story, a story where Abraham encounters a wall, a spiritual wall. And I think through Abraham's example, we can learn how to journey through our own walls. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to read through Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, all 14 verses. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to have you read along with me, okay, just so that we are reading the scriptures together. Is that cool? All right. A few people is cool. All right. So the rest of you, you guys can read with me too, okay? So sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Let's read the next slide together. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set it for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. I'll take this slide. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little bit further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. Let's read the next slide together. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, 
the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. I'll take this one. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Let's read this together. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your son, your only son. When Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. I'll take this. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh, Yara, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14. Let's pray. Gracious God, we know that your word is what is powerful. It is not the words that I have to say. It is not the thoughts that I've jumbled together. But it is your word, your scriptures that have power. And so, I, God, I pray that in the same way that you inspired these scriptures to be written, may you also inspire us to be able to hear what you would have to say through these words, through your word. And God, may today not just be another Sunday where we come to church, but may today be a day where we experience your presence anew, where we sense your spirit among us as your people where we hear you whisper into our souls that you are making us alive, God. We need you. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. How do we journey through our spiritual walls? I think the first thing that we need to do to journey through our wall is we must accept that walls are a part of the faith journey. You know, in verse 2, God says to Abraham, Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, and sacrifice him to me as a burnt offering. Abraham was a very old guy at this point. He had encountered numerous walls throughout his life already. Right, just in case you don't know this story or you don't remember, Abraham and Abraham, Abraham and his wife Sarah could not have kids. But yet God had promised them that they would have a child. And so they waited and waited and waited and waited for decades before this promise was fulfilled. It took over some 25 years before this promise was fulfilled. This was a spiritual wall in a culture where children were so highly valued. Another example is Abraham, uh, God had led Abraham away from his country, away from his culture, away from his family, away from his friends, away from his comfortable bed into a new foreign land. 
And God had promised him that he would be the father of a nation. And Abraham wandered for years before reaching his final destination. That was a spiritual wall. So Abraham had encountered numerous walls before in his life, but yet he had seen God's faithfulness in his life. And so Abraham knew that although another wall was coming, although he was encountering another spiritual wall, somehow, someway, God would help him journey through it. Abraham knew that walls are a part of the faith journey. I think that for some of us, when we encounter spiritual walls, when we, ex- and, 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 when we experience a little bit of distance from God, when we begin to have these questions of like, God, where are you at? I think some of us begin to wonder if we're defective Christians. I think some of us begin to wonder, man, maybe my faith just isn't real enough. I want to let you know that that's not necessarily the case. That is not necessarily true. Walls are a part of the faith journey. Abraham encountered it. David encountered it. Ruth encountered it. And even Jesus encountered it. Don't forget, Jesus on the cross, he said, My God, why have you forsaken me? Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus experienced a spiritual wall because spiritual walls are a part of the faith journey. Throughout church history, great men and women have written about the phases of following Jesus and and they've mapped it out and put it into diagrams. And I want to share with you one particular diagram that has been super helpful for me. It's from the book called The Critical Journey, Stages in the Life of Faith. And Janet Hagberg and Robert Gulick, they developed a model that includes the essential place of the spiritual wall in the journey of faith, okay? And, and this is an image of it. I'll just explain it really quickly, okay? So stage one is the life-changing awareness of God. This is the stage where, whether that's in childhood or in adulthood, this is the beginning of our journey with Jesus. This is when we become aware of the reality of God and, and we make a personal commitment Stage two is discipleship. This is the stage that is characterized by learning about God and and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is when we begin studying scripture, learning how to pray, learning how to do spiritual disciplines. This is the stage of excitement because we are learning new things and we feel like we're growing. The third stage is the active life. This is described as the doing stage. This is when we get involved in the church, when we're actively serving God and his people. This is when we are giving generously, when we are serving the youth, various ministries. This is when we are serving the homeless, caring for the needy, and giving money to help serve the poor. After stage three comes the wall. It is in the midst of stage three that the wall can happen. You may lose a job. You may lose a loved one. You may get a cancer diagnosis. A church leader may do something that just breaks your heart and then you become disillusioned by the church the wall is where many people turn away from God turn away from Christianity and turn away from the church this is the point where you just have tons of questions bombarding your head and so many people jump ship 
And for those that don't, for those that continue going forward, they eventually reach stage four. And stage four is the journey inward. This is when you become, this is when you begin to examine everything about faith, about God, and about yourself. This is when you are humbled. You realize you really don't know everything. This is when you begin seeing blind spots in your own life, weaknesses that you never knew that you had. This is when you become more self-aware. And this is a powerful time where God can do deep work in you. And I want you to notice just how important the wall and stage four are. They're, they're so intimately connected because many times the wall will lead people to the journey inward if you're willing to stick with it. After stage four is stage five, which is the journey outward. This is having passed through the crisis of faith and the intense inner journey necessary to go through the wall, we begin once again to move toward doing again for God. And stage five is different from stage three because stage five is now you're operating out of a new grounded center of yourself in God. You're not trying to do things to please other people now. You're trying to do things to please God. You're not trying to do things to appear spiritual. What you're doing is you're just doing it because you deeply love God and realize that His grace means everything. And, and God loves you so deeply that you just want to love God back. Stage five is when you really begin to learn what grace is. And then stage six is transformed into love. This is God's goal. John Wesley, the theologian, he says that the goal of God is to make us perfect in love. Is that we are to experience and embrace and embody the love that Christ has for God and for one another. And this, in stage six, is when we truly begin to realize that love is the beginning and the end. Love is the beginning and the end. This model is not linear. It's not like, okay, I'm, I'm at stage two, can't wait to get to stage three. And it's not, it's not like that. Usually what happens, it ends up being like one, two, three, four. Oh, we're going back to two, three. And it happens many times throughout your life. And it's not just going to be one wall that you will encounter in your faith journey. It can be a number. So I want to ask you this question. In this model, what stage of faith do you find yourself in? Where are you? Where are you? To journey through the wall, we must accept that walls are part of the faith journey. The second thing we need to do to journey through the wall is we must pay attention for God at the wall. In verse 1, God says to Abraham, Abraham! And Abraham replied, Here I am. And then God tells Abraham to take his son to a mountain to sacrifice him as an offering. And then verse 11, right as Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac, an angel of the Lord calls out to Abraham from heaven. The angel says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here I am. In and out of season, Abraham was keeping an ear open for God. He had an open posture to God. He was, he was seeking to hear God's voice. 
even in the midst of challenge, even in the midst of being at a spiritual wall, he was paying attention for God. Sadly, so many times when we feel like we are at a wall, when we feel like we're at a spiritual wall, instead of opening up ourselves to God, paying attention for God, what we do is we close ourselves off and say, forget this. And the thing is, when we're not paying attention for God, it is nearly impossible to hear from God. Sometimes God brings us to the wall because it is the only thing that will make us turn off the distractions, that will turn down the volume in our life so that we can actually hear from God. And if we're willing to hear from God, I believe that in time God will speak. Sometimes the wall is the only thing that will slow us down enough, that will humble us enough, that will stop us from pursuing everything else other than God and will finally put us in a place where we can say, God, I'm here. What do you have to say? So my question for you is this, how are you paying attention to God? How are you paying attention to God? Whether you are at a spiritual wall or not, how are you paying attention to God? The second thing we need to do to journey through the wall is we must pay attention for God at the wall. And the third thing that we need to do to journey through the wall is we must let go of power and control. We must let go of power and control. Abraham let go of power and control and trusted that somehow, some way, God would provide a way forward. So Abraham was faithful to God's leading in his life, even if it was a crazy, challenging time, even though he encountered a spiritual wall. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I imagine that many of you have heard this story before, have read this story before. And I'm going to be real with you, okay? If I was in the situation that Abraham was in, if God asked me to sacrifice one of my beautiful and adorable baby daughters, I have a two-year-old and a four-month-old, if God asked me to do what Abraham, uh, if God asked me to do what Abraham was asked to do, my response wouldn't be the same as Abraham. If God asked me to do that, I would have been like, yo, God, um, I know I'm new to this whole father thing. I've only been doing it for like two years, and you've been doing it for like a long time. But come again? What are you asking me to do? Because my, my babies are real cute, and I don't think they need to go. Not yet. Are you seriously asking me to do this? God, I think I have a better plan, okay? How about, how about let's, let's scratch your plan, and let, let me do something else. Let me do something different. Look, if you're reading this story of Abraham and the fact that he's willing to sacrifice his own son and that bothers you, that's a good thing. It should bother you. You see, like, we shouldn't be reading this passage and think to ourselves, I hope God asked me to do this someday. You're not supposed to read this passage and think, what's going on here? What, what is happening here? What, what is the purpose of this? You see, there's never another instance in the Bible where God 
tells a father to sacrifice his own son. This is a unique, one-of-a-kind test for a particular person, for Abraham. And God was wondering if Abraham would be willing and would be able to trust God to let go of power and control. And Abraham does. He does. It's, it's a crazy thing. But I want to reiterate this. It's important to know that God is the one who brings us to the wall. God told Abraham to do this. God brought Abraham to the wall and this is a way for Abraham to continue just to let go of power and control and, and he does. Because if we understand it rightly, the wall, a spiritual wall, is God's way of rewiring us. It is a way of purging us of our affections and passions. And God does this so that we might delight in Him more than anything else. When we are brought to the wall, it is because God wants us to have a deeper life in Him, a fuller relationship with Him, a, a deeper meaning of what it means to really cling on to Him for dear life. At the wall, God is working in us to free us from unhealthy attachments and addictions that we have. Because He longs for us to be completely and truly free. And He longs for us to truly desire His will above our own will. And failure to understand and surrender to God working in us at the wall often results in great turn pain and frustration and confusion. But receiving the gift of God at the wall can transform our lives forever. We must let go of power and control because the truth is we never had it in the first place. My friends, spiritual walls are not theoretical to me. It isn't just something I read in a book. I know intimately what it means, what it looks like, what it feels like to encounter a spiritual wall. Four years ago, I began a church. I planted a church called Roots Covenant Church, and I loved it. I moved into a neighborhood in the city of St. Paul, and I gave my heart and soul to this church. I, I gave my time, my energy, my, my, my all that I could. And I never thought that I would leave the church. But in ministry, over the past four years, it's been a struggle. Isolation, feeling alone. My marriage was struggling because of the weight of ministry. I felt distance from God, and my wife and I, we took many weeks and many months to really pray about this and try to figure things out, and we came to the hard decision that we needed to make a transition from the church that we helped start. It was one of the hardest decisions that we've ever had to make, and, and our last Sunday there was at the end of February of this year. We lost, we, we lost the church home that we started in our living room. And only a few weeks after that, in March, my stepdad went to the hospital because of a fungal lung infection. And a few weeks after that, he died 
unexpectedly. He left a 16-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. Then in May, my mom got into a serious car accident, totaled her car. She had a concussion with internal bleeding in her brain, a broken wrist, and a big gash in the back of her head. All of this in the past three months. So if you are at a spiritual wall, know that you're not alone. I'm right there with you. But I want to tell you good news. And that is that I believe with all my heart that God is right there with us. How do we journey through the spiritual walls that we encounter? I think the first thing we must do is this. We must accept that walls are a part of the faith journey. The second thing that we must do is we must pay attention for God at the wall. And the third thing that we must do is we must let go of power and control. I want to leave one super practical thing for you to help you journey through your wall, and that is this, to start journaling. I know some of y'all are journalers, but the majority of us are not. And that's okay. We can start today. Journaling is so helpful and so powerful and has been so helpful for me to help me to pay attention to God more. And I want to look at the biblical precedent. If you've ever read through the book of Psalms, you may have noticed that, man, these Psalms look just like journal entries. They're so raw and so real. They're so just brutally honest they come these these authors of the psalms they come before god and just like god where are you i feel so broken i feel like you've left me i feel like you've abandoned me i have all these questions for you god i have all these doubts for you they're just totally honest with god it's as if they are just writing personal journal entries to god and i want to encourage you to imitate the psalms to begin journaling to god and just really giving God your heart, giving God your questions, giving God your raw emotions, your pain, your hurt, your confusion, and your struggle. And do it through journaling. Because journaling can help you to pay attention to God. And I want to give you a simple journal prompt that I use that has been super helpful for me. I try to follow this journal prompt every day. It's five simple questions, okay? The first thing is this. What are three things that I am grateful for? This just helps me to pay attention to see how God is still at work in my life. What are three things that I'm grateful for? The second thing is this. I ask this question, what is bothering me right now? This is just helping me to, to have emotional intelligence, being able to discern and be able to name what is bothering me. Because, you know, have you ever had those times where you're like, something's bothering me and I don't know what it is? Or someone will come up to you and they'll say, what's bothering you? And you'll be like, I don't know. Well, if you take time to journal it out, it'll help you because once you name it, then you will be able to identify it so that you can actually work on it. The third thing is, how do I feel about it? This is just the being able to name your own emotions and being able to be honest and real about where your heart's at. How do I feel about this? Am I angry? Am I sad? Am I confused? The fourth thing is, what is God teaching me through this? What is God teaching me through this? What might be God trying to point out in my life? And then the fifth thing is, how might God want me to respond to this? What might God's invitation for me be? 
so that I respond to it empowered and, and, and maybe have a solution to the problem versus just focusing on the problem. It's a simple journal entry that I try to follow every day and it has been so helpful for me to pay attention, to, be, to, to do better at paying attention for God. I know some of you here are at a spiritual wall and you're wondering if you should keep going or not. Some of you are at a spiritual wall and you're wondering if this season of silence from God will last forever. Some of you are at a spiritual wall and you're not sure if you're going to make it. And I want to tell you, you will, you can, and you must. This wall will not last forever. This wall is a season and I don't know how long But I do know this, that God can and will use the wall to transform you and me to look more like Jesus if we are willing to let him do it. I want to end our time off with this, noting something very important. God doesn't just bring us two walls. Jesus is God, and God also chose to journey through a wall himself. Just like Abraham heard a calling from God the Father, Jesus heard a call from God the Father. Just like how Isaac carried the wood that would be used to sacrifice himself up the mountain, Jesus carried the wood, the cross, up the hill of Golgotha, where he would be crucified. Just like Abraham knew that he would be losing his son, his only son Isaac, God the Father knew that he would be losing his son, his only beloved son, Jesus. And just like Abraham had to let go of control and power and say, Father, your will be done, not my will, Jesus also had to say in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, your will be done, not my will be done. But unlike Isaac, Jesus was not saved from his death. When Isaac asked his father, Abraham, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered by saying this, God himself will provide the lamb. Abraham never would have thought in a million years that God would provide himself as the lamb. It's true that there's no other instance in the Bible where God calls for another father to sacrifice his own son, but rather God the Father becomes the one who is willing to have his son sacrifice for us, for our behalf. And unlike Isaac, Jesus was not saved from his death, but through his death and resurrection, He becomes our Savior. He becomes the one that will show us and will empower us and will walk with us through the spiritual walls that we encounter. And through Christ's death and resurrection, He has conquered over Satan, sin, and death so that in faith, we too shall overcome such things. In faith, we too shall see resurrection life. And in faith, we too shall be able to journey through the spiritual walls that we will encounter. If you feel stuck, if you feel like you've hit a wall, 
then trust in the one who knows what that feels like, but trust in the one who has the power to journey through it. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, life is a journey. Following you is a journey. And it's filled with ups and downs, and it's filled with obstacles, and sometimes it's filled with walls. And when we encounter a wall, sometimes it is the only thing that we see. And God, I know that in this very room, there are folks in here, even though other people will not notice, even though other people do not know, we're at a wall. We're wondering, God, where you're at. We're wondering if this is even worth it. We're wondering if we should just go on our own path instead of following you, Jesus. And God, I'm praying that your spirit would touch these people's souls today. That your presence would be so real that you would embrace them with your love and that you would show them that they are not alone. That they have a church family that loves them. That they have a God who will never abandon them. God, we need to hear you. We need to feel you today. And we pray, I pray particularly for the folks in here who are at a spiritual wall. And God, I pray for the rest of the church here. I pray that they would have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and be able to support and love those who are at a wall. Because inevitably, they will also hit a wall and they will need love and support. God, may we be a church that walks with one another truly. And when one feels stuck, we don't say, see ya, but we say, We're here with you. And God, may we know that you are here with us forever and ever. Lead us, Lord. Show us the way. Show us that we can make it through. We pray this in your name. Amen.